theme of today's show is when color revolutions were real. So the question is, were they ever real? Are there any real color revolutions? Well, yes, yes, and no. Let me explain. At any given moment in time, any given moment in the world, there is always going to be unrest. There's always going to be people that are unhappy, uh, people who are protesting against government corruption, people who are protesting against austerity, uh, economic conditions. There's all sorts of reasons why people would take to the streets in great numbers, in some cases uh, in, in what looks like a color revolution from the, from the outside. As Gerald Salente once said, the uh, great uh, political and economic pundit in the United States, Gerald Salente had this famous saying, which is that when people have nothing to lose, they lose it. So you have to look around in countries. We're seeing an incredible phenomenon right now. Now, there are real color revolutions, no doubt, and there are manufactured color revolutions. We've covered many of them including the uh, situation in Hong Kong, very much has the fingerprints of the United States, the U.S. State Department, National Endowment for Democracy, Steve Bannon, and many other actors uh, have got their sort of paws on that event. But there are actually real uprisings because there's a commonality uh, across many countries in, in that the cost of living has accelerated to such a degree that people cannot keep up with paying for basics. I'm talking about food, transport, accommodation, and medical care, just for starters. That's not talking about anything else, any of the extras, the things that make life worth living, like being able to afford to get married and have a family and things like that. No, no, no. We're just talking about the basics, food, transport, housing medical okay there's a lot of places in the world where this is unattainable at the moment so looking around we're seeing this happen flare-ups in a number of countries is a, a type of a color revolution or a, not, i would say a mass mass protests mass unrests in chile south america is one example what triggered this public transport fare hikes the, the cost of living is simply too high for many people on a working wage to even afford the basics. Uh, in response to these protests, the government has called a state of emergency. Uh, this is a power, executive power given by the government there uh, under the Pinochet military dictatorship regime. Uh, there has been arson. There, there have been protesters burning down public transport stations in uh, in. In, in opposition to the government's uh, financial and austerity policies, uh, burning supermarkets as well. That could be an anti-corporate move by protesters. That's in Chile. In Lebanon, in Lebanon, I just, I just got back from Lebanon last week. It turns out I missed all the fun. Uh, this week, it uh, really kicked off over the last four days. Uh, Anti-corruption people opposing a do-nothing government in Lebanon. National debt is spiraling. Personal debt is becoming an issue. Then the government's wanting to raise money, so they're putting tax on things. Guess what they decided to tax in Lebanon? This is one of the great 
genius ideas by any government, not. They wanted to tax WhatsApp messaging, so something like 0.02 cents on a, every WhatsApp message. So they want to tax text messages on what is normally a free app. That's desperation by any government. If they've run out of ideas, <laughs> that's a good example of a government that has absolutely run out of ideas. So rightfully so, the people have taken to the streets in the millions. Uh, and they did something interesting in Beirut in the uh, central square, Rayad al-Sol. It used to be a central square. There's still a square left. It's not very big. It used to be huge. Because they had massive protests and sit-ins there, well, they they sort of sold it off to developers, and the solution was rather than have a space in the middle of the city where people could gather and protest, they decided to build a whole block of expensive, overpriced apartments right in the center. So this is... One solution by the ruling establishment, which is to, well, get rid of the public spaces by filling them up with uh, very unattractive modern apartment buildings. So, but it still hasn't deterred protests that are going on across the country, well, mainly in Beirut and Tripoli. Tripoli is a northern city of Lebanon, not to be confused with the same uh, name of a city, which is the... uh, Tripoli in in Libya, which is in North Africa. So two different Tripolis. So we'll see. Now, where does the U.S. sit in these protests? Catalonia as well. You've got major unrest in Catalonia after they sentenced independence leaders to nine, between nine and 13 years in prison. I think they, the Spanish government have put, that, put nine pro-independence uh, personalities and officials, uh, Catalonian officials, in prison. That's very heavy-handed uh, on the part of the Spanish state. Clearly, they've overreacted. Not and but not all residents in Catalonia are pro-independence, and this is the problem. So a lot of people have grievances against the state, against the government, against the establishment. But not everybody is necessarily on board with independence in Catalonia. So there's a little bit of there are there are people with slightly varying agendas. Uh, there's definitely a solidarity in terms of anti-corruption. Uh, believe that these people who've been sent to prison shouldn't be in prison. They have a right to express themselves politically. Most people, I think, will agree with that. Uh, but it's how the state has handled it, I think, more than anything. Um, and how the EU has also been kind of backing the Spanish uh, government on this as well has kind of um, miffed uh, many observers. So... Where does the U.S. sit? Where the United States, this, some of some color revolutions, they've absolutely been involved from the very beginning. Uh, certainly we can say that about the Arab Spring through their various uh, U.S. government foundations, agencies, quangos, third sector organizations, training activists. And the idea is Canvas is another one, Opdor Canvas, uh, out of Serbia, actually, originally. Now, the idea is you could start a color revolution. Yes, that can be done. Look at uh, George Soros's efforts uh, in many different countries. Certainly has been there from even before the beginning. You can start it, or the people could start it. It could start naturally. But the United States would definitely be looking to co-op or hijack a color revolution or an uprising for the specific reason of wanting to steer it 
But more importantly than that, there's an opportunity to achieve certain geopolitical objectives through some sort of a crisis, a domestic crisis. Take Lebanon, for instance. The United States, a few months ago, had uh, all of a sudden started talking about after the U.S. officials visit Lebanon that we need to sanction uh, allies of Hezbollah. So the U.S. is upset because Hezbollah is represented in the government, in parliament, in Lebanon. And then they threatened to sanction their allies as well in coalition, which is, I think, what they meant. And so the U.S. could be looking at this particular uprising in Lebanon and thinking, hmm, where can we insert our resources in order to get the result we want or to pit people against each other or to break up a government coalition somehow? Government ministers have already resigned in Lebanon, Christian government ministers. This is very interesting. I personally think there's more to this story than meets the eye, and uh, we'll keep a close eye on it. But do look for the hand of Uncle Sam anytime there's unrest. Uncle Sam will be there. You can bet on it. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds whisper. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds.